Football is a game of aesthetics. It's all about what does it look like? Football is a game of tradition. The man who wins the penalty can't take it. <laughs> Football is a game of passion. Oh, bollocks, Villa have scored. And that is why we love it. Fuck me, why is this stupid game back? I think that was a real low point for me in my life. It's time to turn the volume down. Goals scored by new signings are the only ones that count. Penalties don't count. And Mamoru Saku having an absolute howler. That doesn't count either. The worst 90 minutes of football in Premier League history. He's a fraud. Sedan's a fraud. Everyone's favourite statistical fraud. Brendan Rodgers. All about the aesthetics, that's what we like to see. That is just a bit of stat padding. Individual sport masquerading as a team game. Look at his Instagram, he's the ultimate beta male. BBC Sport decided to advertise their TikTok account. Yuck. <laughs> it just doesn't get any better than that. Hello, hello, and welcome to Under the Floodlights, where this week we see two of the worst games of the season. Ronaldo hits an Evertonian, Tottenham cruise past Aston Villa, Chelsea win but lose against Southampton, Brighton XG their way to a win at the Emirates, Brentford continue to perform in London derbies, and for the second year in a row, we say goodbye to Neil Warnock. I'm Bailey Hutchison, and with me as always is Chris Ringland. Chris, how are you? Uh, yeah, yeah, good. Um, I feel like there's been far too... I don't know whether it's other people have caused it, but there's been far too much of like reactionary things this weekend, such as, oh, well, Arsenal are actually terrible. Yeah, after like that quiet period. Time. Yeah, that yeah, quiet like, period Arsenal had now is completely thrown out the window. Spurs are now class apparently. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, of course we have a special Sunday yesterday. Uh, yeah. Which for me went on too long. I, I'm I'm uh, knackered after waking up at six a.m. for a Grand Prix. Then oh, the watch, oh, did you do that? Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I I bought in the the full Sky hype. Sat there watching what? the F one. Sat watching Super Sunday. Watched the Masters. I'm wrecked. With well, the Masters, yeah. Now, I, d- I did hear that Max Verstappen had to retire, which was great news. Um, Fantastic news. So, uh, but I didn't really hear anything else about it. No, that was worth waking up for. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll go on to the greatest game of all time, as we were led to believe by Sky. Yeah. Before, during and after. Now, City played Liverpool, the top two teams in the league. Great quality out there, everything about it. But just a tad overhyped, Chris. It's, it's just more, it's like, well... Like like this is the like because I, I saw a lot of chat Billy I don't know whether you saw this as well there's a lot of chat of like well you know this is how we've progressed as the Premier League because it used to just be big alcoholics you know <laughs> plowing into each other and you know like if you loved Keenan Vieira it was all just you know it was awful now everyone's all good lads and all harmonious and respect I guess there is that you know it's better yeah. over respect. the top high fives after the game listen there's a lot of, there's a lot of high fives a lot of respect there's Virgil van Dijk fouling cynically De Bruyne and a lot of handshakes straight after out of respect um, but like you know like it's a bit boring isn't it I agree there's talk during the week and there was a completely manufactured thing by Carragher where I think he was just trying to create a bit of debate and put his name out there but he was kind of saying how he believes this is the greatest rivalry ever in terms of quality and everything quality me, not, not the greatest that's very different from the greatest yeah, and that's, rivalry that's what I thought it's, it's good competition it's competitive but in terms of rivalry I don't really see one there like if you look back over the years in terms of rivalries I actually think Klopp against Deitch is a bigger one <laughs> <laughs> than Klopp against Guardiola because there's a bit of needle there remember like the year at half time where like Deitch went uh, down the tunnel and started telling Jürgen to fuck off and everything there, 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 was, there was a lot of that yeah you know the only person in these two teams that genuinely hates the others Bernardo Silva <laughs> uh, yeah um, c- because there was a lot of chat as well it was like oh well you know this is the new this is the new El Clasico and all this kind of stuff <laughs> and it's like well, how, well you know it's not really the same as Man United Liverpool, is it? Yeah, again, the BL Classico level, I need someone to stick a finger in someone's eye. <laughs> it's like, you know, obviously, like, you know, I mean, I'll say it straight. There's a lot more kind of respect for Liverpool as an institution football club, mm-hmm. you know, that compared to Man City. Like, they're just not the same. Like, Yeah, and I think that's where part of it comes from as well. There's no real animosity towards City. Yeah. From from anyone out there, everyone's kind of like, oh yeah, they're they're there. You know, you don't really go to like no one's going to city to like start a fight. I have know, to like say, though, like a Millwall team would do. Well, I do. I have to say though, I do respect Diego Jota um, after he scored because I, I don't really even notice this. Billy, you know, there's been an increased 
amount of incidents of players getting hit with things this season. Yep. Have you also noticed there's been a consequent increase in players celebrating in front of the opposing fans? <laughs> yeah. uh, which I, I love how Diego Jota just try, you know, tried to start it, you know? Well, fair play, Tim, because if you remember the game earlier in the year, whenever Rodri celebrated stupidly at the Emirates. Oh, yes. Yeah, I kind of yeah, yeah. respect Jota giving it a bit back yeah, to the yeah. City fans. You know, they, they deserve it in a way. It was actually nice to see the City fans turn <laughs> up for once. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll break, down, break down the game a bit here. Uh, Liverpool, for the first 10 minutes, not really in it. Uh, well, they could have got slaughtered if the halftime muscle hadn't gone, to be honest. They, they, yeah. could, they could have been gone at halftime. Yeah. 100%. De, De Bruyne was... Um, was, was was good. The Bruyne class, his goal, interesting, very... I was surprised to even see him take it on initially. He gets lucky with a bit of deflection. But Sky and whoever else, I've seen a bit since Match of Day and stuff, all hammered Fabinho for it. Well, they were like, he's, he's not well, done enough there. Now, I couldn't blame him because if you look at the way that passage of play goes, he does the initial foul and then so uh, yeah, quick does. gets to De Bruyne yeah, yeah. and then if he takes De Bruyne down there that's a broken uh, yeah like we can talk later but should he have stayed on the pitch later on Thiago as well may have got away with a bit oh, well the, yeah no, I, I, I have to say as well because uh, like, the, the goal was it the, the second goal was by Gabriel uh, Jesus I would not be surprised if based on this performance the Pep sold him in the summer <laughs> Because I already know this is Bailey, but apparently he has had a horrific shot to goal ratio, uh, which is possibly worse than Timo Werner uh, in the Premier League this season. So after he scored that first goal, all he did the whole game was shoot when he definitely shouldn't have. <laughs> to be fair to him, he's, he's playing alongside Raheem Sterling yesterday, who right. had his own fair. But the difference between Raheem Sterling and up. Gabriel Jesus is that Raheem Sterling now scores goals. And Gabriel yeah, you Jesus say doesn't. that. Raheem yesterday he scored a great. goal he scored a goal he scored a goal and was offside I have which... to say well I have to say that whole highlight thing that we're talking about about how Liverpool plays oh, highlight Gar- Gary loved it so like I, I, I sort of I sort of respect but also hate the fact that Liverpool do that because they know VAR is so accurate with the offside I remember so whenever I VAR that. was brought in that season it was brought in Liverpool trialled it initially and for like two months, they were horrendous at it. Is that like when Villa beat them at two? And yeah, that yeah. Kind of thing? no, no. It was actually the year before. Oh right, yeah. Or start at start of the season, they were shocking at it, and now they're very good at it. Because to, it, to me, that is the first instance of VAR changing the way a team football's plays. played. Yeah, because previously a quick player like that would have been called onside. You would have given it the attacker's advantage type of thing. I mean, and let's be honest, he was onside. It was his shoulder that was offside. He can score with his shoulder. I, I know, but like, in, in le- you know, if you look at it just objectively, on it, like if you're just turning your head and looking at it, he's onside. Oh no, you're you're coming into the <laughs> make make a Richards post game. <laughs> like this is so harsh. It's like make a, the rules. The rules are the rules. Like we'll we, we all accept this at this point. You know. Well, well the rules are the rules until um, Anthony Taylor somehow misses the fact that there was it was a corner for Liverpool at one stage, even though the VAR was checking that it was a handball or not. Chris, do not even start me on that decision. Like, like what, what, what are we doing? Like, Yeah, I had <laughs> I had money on yesterday for like Liverpool to have a certain amount of corners. And <laughs> they couldn't even get one, and the one they do get, Anthony Taylor looks at it and goes, nah, Mo shanked it. And like, couldn't believe it. So, so why are you why are you betting on the number of corners? Okay, it was like a free one, and I was right. told certain stats and everything, and right. I, I went, right. I went right. for it. Right. And then Anthony Taylor decides to make a name for himself. He tried to make a name for himself later in the game. Yeah, for, for being new tackle, Chris, like um, he's, he's high, gets an ankle. Okay, he does, but you know, I don't know. Like, yeah, send him off. Yeah, I mean, go for it. And, and then like, Tiago as well. A bit later on, where he was actually fouled, and then. Ref, ref plays on, lets the game flow a bit, and then he calls us a foul. But for whatever reason, it's called it's called a Liverpool free kick, and there's no kind of punishment towards Thiago. But what would have been more annoying is that he does send them off, and then everyone's like, oh, he ruined the game. I hate, that kills me. Like, as if it was, well, actually, he'd made the tackle. So. Yeah, it's, that phrase is one of the worst in football. <laughs> oh, he killed the game. It's like, well, 
the entire point of the game is to follow these rules and to do well, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, 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 um, so they're they're apparently playing again at the weekend. So we'll, you know, we'll see if that changes anything. Yeah, they play an FA Cup game, which will be interesting because City obviously have a tough away trip to Atletico. Oh, Meanwhile, yes. Liverpool are basically through in the Champions League. But but as but as we know, Billy, they're gonna they're both gonna win the quadruple and the treble. So yeah, yeah. There's no <laughs> so, and they're all also both gonna go undefeated to the end of the season. Mm. Because as, as we heard from the commentator, as they walked out, they are the two best teams in Europe. No bias. Two, whatsoever. two best teams we've ever seen. <laughs> so they are. Uh, whenever we talk about these two teams, interesting part in the game when Ederson took a massive chance playing out from the back. I uh, like. Uh, th- I I have a strong inkling that he's practiced that, like just straight off his own line. Yeah, I I really think he's practiced that. To be honest, I yeah. I didn't think about it that way, but yeah, as you say that, I can hundred percent see a city training session with him just running along his own line. I mean that I mean that is a different level of mentality. To be yeah, fair. that is so cool to kick the ground and not panic at all. Yeah, I, I mean like it touched the line. Yeah, his facial expression didn't change whatsoever. It was, yeah, quite something. Uh, I also don't know if you've seen this during the game, Chris. Uh, Rafa Benitez's tweets. <laughs> That's not what I expected here. Uh, no, I didn't. No. Uh, Rafa has become Captain Obvious, and I, I hope he continues it. Because <laughs> his tweets during the game yesterday, his first tweet was... Was he at the game? I, I, don't, I don't know. Right. But he decided to tweet... De Bruyne is the key player if he can receive the ball between the lines. Thank you, Rafa. He then tweeted just after, the two teams have high defensive lines, giving chances for counter-attacks. Thank you, Rafa. He then tweeted straight after, saying, entertaining game that was losing quality and could be decided by an individual action of anyone. Fair draw. Like, um, that, come on, Rafa. <laughs> you know, this is a guy who has, like, has focused on his CV throughout the years. Yeah. But like coming off with stuff like that, like I could come up with that. Yeah, I, I have to say as well, one one person I did respect during this game, um, and I know Robertson and Trent have been doing it for a while, but while Cancelo Bailey is different gravy as a fullback. It's also interesting that he is an out like right back and has played so well throughout the year at left back. But it's, it's just, but it's weird to think about it because like because obviously like Gary Neville was a really good right back and won like eight Premier League titles or something and played for England and all the rest of it. Mm. But like Gary Neville and Juan Cancelo, technically, like like he literally does everything. Apparently he's had the most shots of any City player this season. I even think back sort of 10 years ago, that kind of era of sort of Sabaleta Ivanovic's. The, like the, right the only... The, nowhere the, near what these guys are doing. The only the person who almost kind of started that, I would say, is maybe like Leighton Baines, Gael Clichy, like that sort of era. But like, yeah. it's still nothing compared to... What that. these boys are doing now, yeah. Even, even Cal Walker's not on the same level at all. No. And doing that kind of stuff. No, completely agree, actually. And I don't know if you've seen post game as well. Uh, Mika Richards trying to claim he would have loved to have played for Pep Guardiola. And well, well, of course getting, he would have, yeah. Immediately getting put down and to, being told, like, you wouldn't have made it in this team. Like, I, I, I kind of thought look, immediately, my immediate thought went to Joe Hart. I was like, Guardiola would have had one look at Mika and gone, nah, on your well, to, 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 well, to, uh, I think people think that Mike Richards was worse than he was because of his later career, but he was very good as a young player. But yeah. He was very good as a young player, but see the way he talks, and I don't know if you noticed this yesterday, I think the tide's starting to turn a bit on Mika. What do you mean? What do you on, mean as in? In, ter- in terms of just the public reaction to him. And I think it's because they were playing Liverpool. Well, as, in, as, think, soon, like, as in he was universally liked and now he's not? Is that what you yeah, I, I think it's slowly starting. I think people are starting to find him out a bit. Right. Because there's times where you'll watch him and there's a lot of tweets and stuff yesterday where people are starting to turn going, this guy actually offers nothing. But like, I, Well, I mean, I, I've kind of always, like, pretty much, yeah. Like, I, I, I didn't know like what kind of things he was saying differently to other people. Yeah, Yeah, it's just purely because he has a laugh with Roy King, but I think yesterday <laughs> especially, and I say this because it was, as soon as you get that kind of scouse mafia against you, you're dust, yeah. and Liverpool fans turned on him yesterday. And I think slowly but surely, a lot of people are. But like, even, even, even with punditry, like, I do remember the days like before Gary Neville did it. Like, how, like, how incredibly different it was before. Like, 
It's just so much better now. Like big, big Andy Gray with his touch screen. Oh, I don't even think it was a touch screen with Andy Gray. No, Andy, remember Andy Gray had his pen and yeah. would sit there. Circle things. Yeah, yeah. Right. He, he didn't really know how it worked, but yeah, he would just circle and highlight <laughs> things. Yeah. We had him, Redknapp and Co. Yeah. I think Redknapp's been going a long time, yeah. It, ha it has changed from that kind of basic level punditry to now just banter clips. Because like, I thought, like, like, because they had Netamonio, I think I said last week, and like he was so much better than some of the other ones who've been on match today mm. recently, just because he's actually like thinking about things differently. Yeah, he's not just thinking about what's gonna get people to tweet about this. Yeah. yeah all, my last points on City really are the changes they made in terms of Grealish and Mares. Mares' yeah, uh, yeah, chance at the end. Yes, yeah, I thought it was interesting that the Grealish only played like five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, hundred million pound player and getting the squad for a big game. If he were at any club, like any other top team, bar Man City, he'd be getting slaughtered. Um, like you can't tell me his stats and all, mm. like only playing ten minutes in a big game. If he were playing for Chelsea, I mean, he'd if, be getting away with it. I mean, if we're talking pure production, Mares has been City's best player technically. Yeah, yeah, this season. But it's just in terms of Grealish, I I think he's getting away with. A lot this year. Yeah. So Mares, yeah, I think he's been one of City's top players this year, misses another late chance against Liverpool. Yeah. Could be a mentality thing there. Loves to loves to hit it over the bar against Liverpool. That actually reminds me, I was watching a Sky for whatever reason on Sunday decided to try and bump up the rivalry a bit and put on like a compilation video. Of what? Of like of like big city Liverpool games in recent years. And there was like two nil nils they showed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's done nothing. Nil nils, yeah. For me at all, uh, we'll we'll talk about top four a bit here, Chris. We'll go to Tottenham against Villa first. Big sorry, night game. Uh, yeah, it was um, Kudelski again. Um, yeah, Stephen Gerrard started like it, Stephen Gerrard said that like, that was the the best they played or something until half time, and then he was like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say I'd better have said until half time." Well, and then he turned into Graham Potter, and he said that that was a brilliant performance, and it was lost four 0 at home. I think people need to start looking at the Villa results a bit more closely because I think Villa have not been good for a good bit now. They have three, they had like a three game bounce. I feel, I feel bad. Well, I sort of feel bad for Dings. I don't really think this move has worked out super well. I think initially it seemed to, and for whatever reason lately, I don't know what it is, if it's formation or what, because you would assume Coutinho coming in the team would sort him out, but yeah. he just can't, can't finish, had a great chance in this game as well in the first half. Well, it's because, it's because if you're, like, you have to play two strikers because of Watkins, yeah. and, and there's basically no other team in the Premier League that's doing that. No, outside of Burnley. <laughs> outside of Burnley, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Big game for Tottenham in terms of getting top four, especially if there's other results we'll talk about. But I think they got away with a lot, like in terms of like Villa giving them stuff, like the concert error for the first goal. Oh, yeah, that wasn't great. Yeah, kind of just lays it back to Kane. Kane smashes it off Matty Cash, and it's still a good finish from Son, don't get me wrong, but mm -hmm. there's a big error there. And uh, and obviously, now in everyone's reactionary way, it's now well, Tottenham are now good, and Tottenham are now in the top four. But what I was more surprised at, Bailey, is the fact that that was the, the late game, which I think finished at like 7.15 or something. Yep. Um, and then Harry Kane appeared at the Masters. Harry Kane appeared at the Masters last night, which I, yeah, again, find interesting because Antonio Conte, you wouldn't think, is the type of manager that would let stuff like this go. I feel like there's no way that he agreed to it. He's bound to have done but it's purely, it has to, the only way he's getting away with that is because they aren't playing European football. Um, well, well, that is a factor, yeah. My, my most interesting takeaway from it again was the fact that if Harry Kane were a Manchester United player, he'd be getting crucified by <laughs> Neville and co, but not a mention of it. But again, I was actually just surprised that Harry Kane's turned up on a golf course with Sky Sports and not talking about a move away. Uh, well... <laughs> Well, there was that, but it was it was just, it was just sort of like um, like there was no kind of pre warning. It was just oh, here's Harry Kane. Yeah, yeah. You're just sitting watching the Masters coverage, and it's like, yep, we've got a special guest in Harry Kane. Like what? <laughs> so, what? so what was his chat? What was he saying? 
He was he was offering nothing, Chris. Was he? It's just kind of it's just kind of saying he was just happy to be there, and he's a golf fan that spoke nothing about football. But but was he like you know was he doing some punditry on on the field on the state of play? No, so he literally stood there for like ten minutes and then cleared off. He was just he was just going yeah I'm a, I'm a big fan of, like he, he had nothing to offer. He was well, we like, all he's a big fan he's, of golf. That's not. He's just going I'm a big fan of this guy. He's played well this weekend. Yeah, it's good to see Tiger. Like great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And you know Harry Kane's not the most charismatic guy either. We knew that from the documentary. Well, well you know he's yeah. just talking about hard tackles and putting in the odd swear word here and there. Like he's he's useless for stuff like that. <laughs> but yeah, you, you mentioned Kulusevski, Chris. His, his goal as well. That was a disgrace from Villa. Uh, why defensively? Right. One long ball beats Matty Cash tight angle. Like that shouldn't be going in mm. from a Villa perspective. I thought it was weird because Gerard started talking about that he was deciding on his captain for next season as well. I didn't hear that at all. How many games were eight games away from the end of the season? Well, he was, he's already he was, talking about that. Well, he was basically like, oh yeah, like Tyrone, as in Tyrone Mings, you know, he's in with a good chance. And, and I was <laughs> what like, does he mean? And I was like, well, well like, who else are you going to make the captain? Like, what? I would have loved that. It would have been great, like, back in the day. I wonder if Gerard was ever told by, like, Rafa or someone going, Stevie, you're in with a chance of the captaincy next season. Like, you know, well, I mean, outside of... Well, who else are you going to make the captain? Like, what? That's, like, is he just, like, taking... Like, is he just listening to, like, the stories around the football world and hearing, like, what's going on at like, United? Being like, <laughs> oh, I should start talking about my captaincy. I mean, the only, the only possible other person is maybe, like, Ashley Young, just because of experience. You but, can't like, rely Ashley Young anywhere near that, you know... <laughs> He, he captained Man United quite a few times, I think. Chris, we're talking Man United captaincy here again. Let's not. <laughs> well, the only other takeaway I have from this game is the stinker of a challenge from Matty Cash towards the end, which is now seen Matt Doherty out for twelve weeks. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I don't think I saw that actually. Right? Okay. It, it doesn't. I think whenever you watch the match, you just kind of see him tackle him, just kind of on the sideline. And you don't really think much of it, but it's whenever you see the news today if 12 weeks out for Doherty, you're like, that's that's a brutal oh, tackle. Oh, that is quite a bad tackle, actually. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those yeah. probably, like, during the game, referee probably doesn't think twice about it. Yeah. But whenever you look back, <sighs> tough. Yeah it's, yeah, it's not good, actually. Yeah. Elsewhere in the top four race, Chris, <laughs> Brighton, your favourite team ever, turned up to the Emirates and somehow got a win. I wasn't expecting it. A real, real bittersweet day for me, uh, because <laughs> you know after all the disrespect that West Ham have had, such as all the stats saying we've got a one percent chance of getting the top four and whatever, because you know Arsenal had it in the bag. Mm. Um, it's Brighton and Hove Albion that um, that caused them to stumble. But actually, what annoyed me more than anything about this game was the all the articles that started coming out as the oh well you know it's you know this Arteta's project has run into the ground. Like, lads, last week we were like saying Arteta's the new Pep. What's, yeah, literally before Palace on Monday night, we were like, oh yeah, yes. done and dusted with Arsenal being top four, and then all of a sudden, click changed. Listen, like Enoch Mwepu, like had one of the best games I've ever seen. Top finish from the like, guy. <laughs> but but like, come on. I loved as well the other Brighton goal uh, by Trossard. <laughs> You'll know, love this, Chris. With, uh, Jonathan Pierce on Match of the Day, oh, his goodness. commentary, where he said, Trossard always does well after international breaks. Like, what? Where, where, where's that even come from? And then I look back, his last goal was on Boxing Day. Well, that wasn't an international break. That, that, that is just a prime example of, of how everyone views Brighton. Like, yeah, it's just no one has a clue. Like, I'll, I'll happily admit I'm one of those people. I've not a clue. You know, you can tell me whatever you want about Trossard. I'll just go, yeah. And uh, I've I've heard lots about this guy, um, Caicedo, that started his first match. Right. Like, like he's like apparently like the epitome of the Brighton transfer strategy, where he's like played for Ecuador twenty times already, and <laughs> he's twenty years old, and he got recalled early from his loan, and because well, he's so good, and yeah, it's all right. Yeah, they still, <laughs> still got Danny Welbeck up front. Yeah, and I love the stats like going around before the game trying to like big up Danny Welbeck being like, oh, he always scores against the Arsenal. It's like, well, fine. We, but we played for them for about 10 years. But it's like, you also don't realise that Brighton don't score at all. I mean, Jack, so, we also granted Xhaka playing left-back because the guy Tavares couldn't hack it. So Your boy Tavares on Monday night against Palace, not good. Got roasted, unfortunately. Not good, so yeah, they fill in Xhaka. I think I'm going to apologise for that. That's 
that's another what? fantasy team one of mine the tyranny injury oh of because course I, there's tyrannies not there yeah yeah, yeah I've, I've now had two serious knee injuries to left backs so, <laughs> so Tierney joins the Ben Chilwell crew of not turning up until next season because of my fantasy team so apologies for that Yeah, but yeah I think that's where it's come from as soon as you lose a player who is as good as Tierney it, you, it's going to take a while to first find out who's actually going to replace him in the squad Yeah, but then it's going to also take time to find out how to win without a guy like that yeah because um, yeah, he was such a fundamental um part of the, of the same team mm-hmm. yeah. he is, he's just so good for me uh, elsewhere in the game Martinelli goal well not goal but went in the back of the net and then we had a five minute VAR check five minutes? yeah this went so on what, uh, which one was this? this was the um, this was the the corner and it was like headed back in across goal and it, he was oh. a millimetre offside oh wow yeah yeah well, it was, and, well, well as you said earlier Billy was offside so he, in 100% he's 100% offside but the way the reason it was checked was, oh, did it come off a Brighton head? Mm. So then we had to get like in like magnification on <laughs> if it hit a Brighton head at any point. Yeah, I was just like, what is the like? He's offside. Let's play on. And then finally, they finished the game. The Odegaard goal, Chris. Uh, yes. Real just hit and hope. Like I, I think Odegaard actually hasn't been that good in the past couple of games after doing so well recently. Um. Because I don't really know how they... Because he's playing sort of further... Because they had Saka, Smith, Real Martinelli and Lacazette all playing. Mm. So, like, I, I mean, I was like, well, surely that's the problem with the balance. There's enough, you know? I think, yeah, the balance issues, but I think Party came off injured on Monday night as well. I saw Sam, Sam Mila Conga was playing. Yeah. yeah, and he's just not the same standard. Yeah, I think he's... I mean, I'm just assuming he's good because he's Belgian, but... Um... <laughs> no, no, do not say that, no. <laughs> yeah. the, the Belgian golden generation's done and dusted, Chris. He's the new breed, with Leandro Trossard. Yeah. <laughs> Who always does well after international breaks. My favourite thing about the Odegaard goal, though, was if you're watching it back, you can literally see people, like, going up the stairs, like, to leave the ground. Like... Yeah, that always 89th minute, you see people walking out and then they miss this goal. Yeah. I and mean, then even even right. after that, you can see people still leaving. Like, what what did people have to... Like, you know, because I, I defended the Brighton fans for being allowed to boo their team, you know, when everyone's telling them they're not allowed to boo their team. But like, <laughs> of course you are. Like, but, like, but, but, like, you can't just... Like, what's the point of supporting a club if you're just going to leave? Yeah, I can kind of get. I I don't mind that if it's like a Monday night game or something. You're trying but, to get but back like, at three o'clock on a who Saturday. Who remembers the fact that we beat the traffic? <laughs> who, who, who sits back and goes, "I yes, you know, we beat the traffic." So we're, yeah, it's you're one of these who like who looks back on their life thinking about the nights they had a good night's sleep. Well, well, you know, and, and obviously that's different for different Premier League clubs depending on geographically where they are. But you know, come on. Yeah, three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. Can't be doing it. But to be fair, also you're losing the Brighton, so you may want to go home. Well, indeed. <laughs> uh, top four. Uh, this isn't even a top four game. This is more a relegation game. Uh, Everton against Manchester United. Chris, terrible. Really, I thought it was a real mark of where Manchester United are at when Richarlison, in the by far worst season of his career, has the the goal to. Do some keepy up to his head <laughs> because um, uh, whoever was playing right back for United just wouldn't wouldn't get him, and I was like, yeah, at one nil up as well. <laughs> like you I, know, you're thinking we're we're in a relegation scrap here. Let's let's play proper football. You know, sort of that big Sam survival guy thing, and then Richarlison does that. Are, are are we ready to say that Ragnick has been a disaster? Is is that too strong? No, I, I think. Because if, if, Man, if Man United end up in the Conference League and West Ham in the Europa League, surely that's a disaster. Yeah, no, I think the nail is well and truly in the coffin um, on it. And he's I, still like contracted I, to stay on in some yeah, capacity. That needs checked on, because based on I wouldn't have him anywhere near the club next year in that consultancy role he was supposed to claim. Because like, with, with City and Liverpool, like part of the reason they're, they're so far ahead and I suppose Chelsea to some extent with the um, Marina, whatever her name is. I don't know. That it's like a, what's her surname? Oh, Granovska. Yeah, and, and all the rest of it. Um, like, 
Man United are so far behind in that kind of wider strategy thing. With yeah, because you look at that guy at City who is ex-Barcelona and stuff. Whenever you watch the documentary, he seemed yeah. to be really switched on. Liverpool have probably the top in terms of that guy, Michael Edwards. Yeah. We just, like, Man United is just boys club. Yeah, like, it, it's, it's not even, it, I don't even think that's, well, it's maybe partly the issue, but it's just it's there's just the complete lack of any strategic direction whatsoever. Yeah, and that's what it seems to be seems to be the sticking point with this Ten Hag fella coming right. over. He seems to want to change it all up. Who apparently but, has been offered a contract by Red Bull Leipzig. I don't know why you've heard this, Billy. Um, if he's any sense about him, he goes there. <laughs> um, I mean, that would be the, quite the quite the turn of events if that happened. Neville made a great point actually. He said about Ten Hag, and he was like. If I'm Ten Hag, I'm phoning up Donny van der Beek, being like, what's going on over there? And Donny's going to tell him everything, that, like the exact reasons why that club stinks at the moment. Yeah. I thought, well, we'll talk a bit about Everton because I think uh, you just... Fair, fair, fair play to him, yeah. Because with United, you just kind of get in that same cycle. I actually don't want to talk about Harry Maguire ever again because I'm, I'm now at that stage where Maguire <laughs> have gone past like making fun and everything, kind of like, uh, it feels like too much of a pile on at the moment. Well, a, well, players like um, Alex Awobi, players like Michael Keaton, um, Fabian Delph did, uh, <laughs> did did really. I mean, Lampard was playing players who have uh, experience. You know, he brought Delph back in. Delph is hilarious in this game because he had a top game for eighty minutes or whatever. Because as we know from the Man City documentary, the guy has a bizarre level of authority that we didn't realize. It's the basics of football, Gaffer. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell him Pep Guardiola what to do. <laughs> it's the basics. He had a top game in all fairness to him, but then goes off injured. So we'll probably not see him oh, again. Did he? The rest of the oh, no, I didn't yeah. realise that. Really. He kind of walked down the tunnel like holding his calf and you're like, oh, well, Fabian's right. done what Fabian can do. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I thought Delph was very good. Again, didn't have to do a great deal because United weren't that great. Yeah. Uh, Anthony D- Gordon gets a pretty fluky goal. Yeah, I, 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 fair, fair play to him. I, I, I respect him. Yeah, he he's the one player sort of looking outside of Everton that people have got behind. He's twenty as well. Yeah, and up until that point, there was the Fo- the Ben Foster quotes of Goodison being the best away ground to play at because fans can get on top of Everton very quickly. Yeah. For twenty minutes, you could see it boiling a bit, and that oh, 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 really? did. Because oh, oh, I I thought that this would be like, well, you know, we're genuinely in serious danger of being relegated. Surely we just have to back them. You know, I thought for five minutes that was the case, but then yeah. there was a little period of the game where you could sense it going the wrong way mm. in terms of that atmosphere. And I don't know if you've seen the, the quotes midweek, Chris, from Sean Dyche. That, like oh, after, yes. after these quotes, this was must win for Everton. <laughs> you can't, you can't have a manager going around saying those things. It, it, it's the fact that, like, because uh, yeah, I don't really know what uh, Burnley gained from him saying this in public, other than just a massive flex. I completely agree. In terms of that, like, you'd think Dyke should be smart enough not to try and give bulletin board material yeah. to a team that one he's just beaten, but also going to compete against for eight, seven, eight more games here. Yeah, especially when your next game is Norwich. Yeah, and then to go to Norwich and not win. Yeah, but uh, but yeah. So so I, I don't know if actually have he said what he actually said. Yeah, he just kind of came out post game and said. <laughs> yeah, it was quite oh, funny, to be fair. Obviously, they were two one down at half time, <laughs> and he let the interviewer know <laughs> that he's turned around to the Burnley boys and said, "This lot don't know how to win." <laughs> and he's like, he, he said he was open enough. He was like, "Yeah, I've been there myself, where like you do go through a patch of games and you." you just no matter what you do, you can't win, and that just becomes a thing where you play games and you just don't know how to kill them. Because they 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 had Everton haven't won away since August. That is brutal. So that that's that's kind of what he was inferring. Yeah, I genuinely think we should up the amount of relegation spaces this season. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a great shout. Yeah. Because after watching Everton Burnley midweek a bit. You see Norwich, Burnley. There's other teams down there like Leeds and stuff. There's but, there's but, more than three terrible teams. I know the problem is who you replace them with, Billy. Exactly. Uh, you, you start know, like, yeah, you start letting Lutons and PPRs <laughs> up. 
Yeah. Uh, the only other thing to take away from this game was the post-match antics of Cristiano Ronaldo. So I, I haven't seen the footage, but I did think that the, his statement was pretty poor because he said, would they say something like, because uh, so, uh, he wanted to offer the guy he offended, who I, I am told was a child. Um, 14-year-old child. Uh, tickets to a game at Old Trafford. And I was like, well, how about you just say sorry for your first start? So the entire incident is bizarre. He's kind of walking off. So is this final whistle? Is this like... Yeah, this is them. Um, 90 minutes have gone. No United players gone to see their own fans type thing. They've headed straight down the tunnel. Sick. And they're like walking through an end where it's Evertonians either side. And they're all given stick. So, now, so it was an Everton 14-year-old? Yeah. Right. So interestingly, whenever you watch the footage, no footage out there has sound, which is right. the one thing where I'm kind of like on Ronaldo's side a bit, because I can't see like what, what him being, saying. you know, I can't see him being so annoyed to do it if they're not properly hammered well, into like, him. You, you would think that arguably the best player to ever play the game wouldn't be riled up by a 14-year-old Everton fan. Yeah, but he comes off so then he rolls down a sock, takes a shin guard, like, see, there was... A pretty big cut on his leg, right? And I think this kid like properly stuck a camera like towards it, and right. he does just smack his hand down. And then obviously the kid's mum has come out being like, "Oh, he's he's bruised and everything." I'll be honest, I've seen the footage, not enough to cause a bruise. I, like, <laughs> I don't want to say anything about this woman's parenting or anything, but it does look as though maybe gone home and she's tapped it a few times, you know, <laughs> play up, um, get the story. But I completely agree with you on the Ronaldo response of inviting this child to Old Trafford as though he hasn't suffered enough. Because <laughs> because uh, we all know things are a bit toxic, you know. Because like I, I do you saw that footage the other week, Bailey, when Rashford um, was getting getting on the bus or whatever, and he reacted to fans who were like outside yeah. the bus, uh, and then he like posted like he t- tweeted about it and stuff, saying you know like it's not. So, you know, I shouldn't have reacted like that and whatever, and he like addressed it. But while well, then Ian Wright, in, in non-BBC mood, um, posted a video on Twitter of him walking about London. Saying, <laughs> Did see this? Sh- should just effing smacked him or so, <laughs> or so something. I was like, <laughs> just, no, Marcus, don't say sorry. You know, just back yourself up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, you say that as well. There was that footage going around of Darren Fletcher getting into it with a fan at Old Trafford. Oh, right. Like, oh, I, oh, I haven't seen that. Like from the bench. He's like slamming oh, right. to some guy in the crowd. So there's been quite a bit of it. Because you know, the, the Old Trafford seats I find so weird because it's like that brick wall, but then the fans are like literally cl- there. They're closer than in any other stadium. Like, yeah, in that mm-hmm. sense. Remember the, the famous finger where he's like, where do you want me to go? And he just kind of oh, stood in the middle. I- iconic. Because I, I don't know if those seats, I assume those seats are more expensive, but like you, you, like you would think that they are kind of aware that, that, that they can very audibly be heard by Darren Fletcher and yeah. Chris, whatever he's called, the American guy. They'd probably give him talking more sense than Darren Fletcher at times, to be honest. That's probably what he got annoyed at. Wow. But yeah, cause the whole Ronaldo thing where it's like, yeah, the way to make up for this is to invite this kid who supports Everton. <laughs> To come to a different city to watch a team he doesn't support. <laughs> like, sort of out, like, get him a signed jersey or something to fire on eBay. Yeah. I, but, yeah. I genuinely reckon Cristiano Ronaldo could sort the situation out by going, do you want a PS5? I mean, like, I mean Ronaldo just is a different breed, doesn't he? Like, <laughs> he really, yeah, he's just... He's, he's, so, he's just built differently in terms yeah. of everything. Like, he's, he's in a different reality yeah. to everyone else on the planet. Yeah. But yeah, that was a game United and Ronaldo did absolutely nothing in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, after his, we, we jumped to wherever yeah. he was. Uh, we'll move on to my team, who put the fact that they've conceded way too many goals at home recently behind them to tank Southampton. Yes, I was um, solely interested by um, the performance of Marcus Alonso for self-interested reasons in this game. But uh, yes, we all... Cause, Obviously, all we were thinking was, well, here we go. It's This is it. We've, we've, we thought it wasn't going to happen for some reason, but <laughs> this is going to be the third season in a row of a, of a 9-0 for, for Southampton. Yeah, devastated not for it to be 9. At halftime, 4-0, I'm going, this is the day. Uh, and then, yeah. <laughs> I, I'll admit, it's probably my fault. I did start talking, being like, boys, this is the day of 9. And then once I started sending those kind of messages out, it did stop. 
Because like there must be, there must be a reason like whether it is like a, I assume it's a form like a tactical thing as to why Southampton are more susceptible to a nine 0 loss than, than other anyone teams. else. Yeah, because um, it does like there's not really any obvious reason for it. It's it's a whole culture thing at this point now. Because even what's yeah. it sort of three. You could sense St. Mary's going, oh, this could happen. Because m- most of that team that was playing played in those matches as yeah. well. So, like, Oriel Romeo and Stuart Armstrong and Ward Price and all that. Yeah, uh, it does. It, it just, you can sort of see the vibrations going around the stadium of, oh, this is it. And then Ralph makes a change. Like, 30 minutes in, he takes Romeo off. And you're going, there's no other reason for doing that and changing the entire formation and the fact that he thinks nine's coming today. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, sorry, was Ruben Loftus-Cheek playing right wing back? He was indeed. No, which no, look, no, looks t- like a tactical masterstroke. So it, so it worked? I mean, well, it was Southampton. Like, you do that against any other sort of halfway decent team, it doesn't work. But, but against Southampton... Well... It looked yeah. okay because, because like, even though we all love to like, you know, not really be too fond of him, they're part of the reason why Marcus Alonso is such an effective wing back is because he's tall, so he can yeah. win the headers that comes out from like a goal kick. Plus, mm-hmm. he's really good at dribbling. Plus, he can like shoot and you know, all the rest of it. Loftus Cheek actually has a lot of those qualities as well. So, I, I don't know. I don't know how he works out there. I don't know how he works in general because. I said this after the Brentford I just really wasn't impressed with him against Brentford and it really annoyed me. It was, well, because we, we all want them to do well. Basically. Yeah, like, but it's now getting to the stage where even I as a Chelsea fan I'm kind of like, right, who's, who's the next man up? You know, the Conor Gallagher's of the world and stuff. I'm like, right, well, he's better than him, you know? Well, yeah, I think the problem is he's always, like, he's never, like, he's always played in a hundred different positions as well. Yeah, I remember Antonio Conte at one stage trying him out as striker. <laughs> and he's, he's, he's now playing wing-back. You know, he's, he's just all over the pitch. Yeah. But, yeah, as you said, wing-back on Saturday was a pretty easy thing for Chelsea to do because Southampton... Because you're playing 4-4-2. With Walker-Peters and, and Livermento, they, they just weren't in the game whatsoever. Yeah. They were so... Per- and Alonso had acres of room at times. Yeah. And then Timo has... One of his better days in the Chelsea oh, shirt. He, he absolutely did. Yeah, it's fair, I, fair play to him. Yeah, I'm watching. It, I was just like, this guy needs to go back to the Bundesliga. Well, he'll, well, he'll play we this every that. week. We all, we all know that. Yeah, you know, he'll play a high line every week, and he can just run him behind, <laughs> do what he's done here. Like he's, he could have had six. Mm-hmm. And whenever I watched him at Leipzig, every game I watched him in for that sort of three months COVID ball. Oh yes, thing, oh, oh yes. When the Bundesliga was the only thing, it on. was the only thing on. Yeah, 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 it was like every game there. He also could have scored six. I, I, do you remember that dark like month period when like it was like a talk sport had all the exclusive rights to the Bundesliga and you're like <laughs> that's the last thing I want to listen to in the middle of a lockdown like, yeah I want, want to hear Alan Brazil's take on <laughs> Freiburg against Schalke <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Timo interestingly as well hat-trick of hitting every part of the goal oh of course that's just that's part of the course for Timo like, that's know, just the way it is yeah hits the right post which then ricochets in the Havertz's way hits the crossbar with a header from two yards out struck, struck a left post early on I, I, I seem to see as well I don't know how well he played but I seem to see as well there's a lot of chat about the guy's contract or something this week was there something going on there about about Pulisic not that I've seen Fair enough, yeah. I've been led to believe Christian because every better at the moment seems to be American is basically going to become captain. <laughs> well, you know how it is, yeah. But no, I'm not saying a great deal on Pulisic there. I mean, my entire feed this week since the Real Madrid game has mainly been compilation videos of Mason Mount touching his hair too many times. <laughs> You'll have noticed he which did get a haircut, <laughs> which, which, which is something I have pointed out on this podcast before. There was times against Real Madrid where the hair fixing was ridiculous and he even said himself in a post-match interview he was like yeah it was getting in the way of my game right <laughs> so um, he, he was bullied by internet trolls into getting a haircut which I, 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 I didn't notice that because I, I, I didn't think the haircut was that great but if that's the reason why then yeah there was just so many there was a point where you can see him like pressing I think it was Militai Military runs by him a bit and immediately starts fixing the hair. It's like, Mason, just be a footballer. 
Because because I, I thought it was slightly too long at the back and sides was part of the issue. The entire thing was just a shamble, so he just shaved it all, which <laughs> I respect it. Yeah. So he's gone hands up. Whatever random Twitter user that has two followers has said has got to me. Right. Yeah. The only the only issue I say felt like a loss this game because it should have been nine, but also the match of the day coverage of Chelsea for this game was shocking. Why? It was basically a fight. It wasn't even a fight. It was three minutes of taking the piss out of Timo. It's like that's not analysis. <laughs> um, uh, I just thought it was so disrespectful. I thought well, there was no need for it. Every other team got you know proper a lot of them at the time. Well, are are you only saying that because it seemed that way and you 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 like Chelsea or no? Re- rewatch it back. It was a disgrace. All right, yeah, yeah. They mentioned nothing like nothing about the game itself. They were just like, oh look at Timo, he plays well against South Southampton and can't do it against anyone else. It's like I mean that's, that's true like, to be fair. <laughs> but it's also like looking around that studio. How many European cups do you lads have? <laughs> Timo uh, Werner's got one. Was it? Was it Danny? It was Danny Murphy and Danny Murphy and Ian Wright. <laughs> Sick. Listen, well, yeah. Honestly, between I was I was raging with that coverage. So was, but anyway, uh, <laughs> we'll go on to the worst game of the season. I've actually nothing written down about this game I, other than terrible. I mean, I, Newcastle I, Wolves. I, I didn't really kind of get why it was the worst game of the season, but that's what you said it was. Just um, nothing happened. Well, was, what, what, what's a Wolves match? They don't really, like, concede chances. <laughs> and that is the thing. I think whenever we do our awards this year and we do worst game of the season, I genuinely think four out of the five will be Wolves games. Well, that's, yeah, it's part of the issue. I mean, I, I, there, I think it was a whole thing again of how Bruno Guimaraes was really good, but then we don't know if he's ever going to start because I have him in my fantasy team. I don't know whether ever to put him in. Uh, what, what made you do that? Cause it, well, because I, oh, I heard, well, it was one of those kind of like, oh, well, let's get him while he's hot sort of thing. Um, <laughs> same with like er- Ericsson, because nobody took him for some reason. Um, but, uh, you know, because all we ever hear is that this guy's the next big thing. Mm. Um, but uh, but I, I don't know. It was a, you know, like, Newcastle are just good now. I don't know. Like, I don't even know if they are. Well, 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 they're not, but they are. You know what I mean? Like, again, like we've some stinkers in this league left. And yeah. Newcastle are just now looking okay. It's just kind of weird that, like, well, like, you, you know, Wolves have quite a good chance of getting into some form of European competition. Um, and Jose Sa's reaction to, like, giving away the penalty was quite interesting as well. He was, I've never seen anyone so incensed. Yeah, he was so adamant that he did nothing. It's like, no, surely I, well, you I, felt the contact. I think he was annoyed at the Wolves players. I think that's what was going on, to be honest. Uh, oh, he was getting at the Phil Pickford of, oh, how dare yeah. you make me do my job? Yeah, basically, yeah. A lot of that, but yeah, just for me, not a good game. Yeah, well, yeah, I suppose, yeah. Uh, we'll go on to what was a better game, but quality wasn't great, but in terms of the season, a good game. Burnley against Norwich. Um, yeah, this was uh, this was it's, uh, strange for the old Daesh, um, because I, Norwich kept a clean sheet. Um, <laughs> and scored two goals. Uh, Team Cookie was class. So and, and Sky gave Ben Gibson man of the match. <laughs> I also thought there was a guy called Kieran Doyle who uh, I don't know if you've heard him or not. He uh, he's played for Everton. He hasn't started since Boxing Day or something. Thought he, did, thought he was really good. Um, but uh, I don't know. Like are Norwich still down? <laughs> yeah, very much. Whenever you're chucking names out of that, that like. <laughs> That sounds like the classic line of like, just throwing shit at a wall, see what sticks. You know? Like, like Veghorst, <laughs> they're just trying everything. Uh, well, yeah, like because Veghorst got taken off after fifty-six minutes, which I didn't really understand. Um, yeah, and Cornet missed like an open net. Cornet so, like, missed it, the setter. So you know that's that's what it, that's what it comes down to. Um, but very strange because it now means that it, it's in everyone's hands again uh, to stay up. It is, but also their fixtures are rotten. Well, they are. Uh, and we all, like I, I still think there's every chance it'll be Everton down and not Burnley. But um, yeah, I also thought interesting in a game that is massive for Burnley to try and get three points that Dwight McNeil didn't start. Well, yeah, like someone needs to save this guy. He's too talented a footballer to be still at Burnley. No, he is too good for Burnley. But maybe part of it is part of the reason he stays is because, like. There's not a lot of teams that like, but maybe our Southampton, who play mm. that kind of way where you can just be a proper winger. 
and like yeah that's right but but I, yes he is too good for Burnley yeah just watching whenever he came on the, the only thing I could think of was Jai Felix at Atletico just two players who need to get out of their situations because they're playing that style of football yeah so just just let them be at slightly better clubs you know they may you know I, I don't know where they I don't know where Dwight McCarroll he gets he gets sort of go to like a mid-table team and get tanked here and there like like as you say Southampton but at least he would have more games a year where you go whoa Dwight McNeil's a player no if they go down he'll definitely leave yeah uh, you say that <laughs> he, he, he may just love the grind of a championship season there's a bit like Sander Burge for some reason he's still at Sheffield United even though he's unbelievable so yeah exactly that love, loves the club right. <laughs> uh, we'll go on to finally really the West Ham Brentford result Chris I've not actually seen anything from well, this game uh, kind of went under my radar listen Brentford beat us home and away um, what a club um, the conclusion from Moyes was that we've done really well Thursday Sundays generally this season not this week it's now, it's now caught up, yeah. Uh, which oh, I suppose is fair enough. Like we had, well, I, I'll get into it now. Um, West Ham played Lyon in one of the biggest matches in our history uh, in the quarterfinals of the Europa League, and uh, Aaron Cresswell was sent off after forty-five minutes by a ref. Bailey, don't know if you know this or not. By a ref who was the same ref that Jude Bellingham called out uh, a couple of months ago in the Bundesliga, because. 15 years ago, he took a bribe for match-fixing. No, okay. So, so <laughs> I so, did read in this. So, uh, so, so Moussa Dembele, the former Celtic and Fulham striker, um, pretty much just fell over at the slightest tug possible at Cresswell. Uh, Cresswell was then sent off, and then he gave a wink as if he was somehow Ronaldo or something. You know? Listen, I, I have no issue. I thought it was a red. I also think oh, you're... Come you're on. Now, whenever you said match, I saw your message whenever it came up about match fixing, and you know I love getting in the, the mud there. <laughs> so do. the guy took a 300 euro bribe 17 years ago. But that's worse, Billy. It's the fact it was such a low amount of money. That's worse. <laughs> because oh, the, the fact that he went to so much effort for that just shows the character of the guy. But he was also... So, do you know who he took the money from? No. He was the lino that day and took that bribe from the re- the actual ref. Right. Of the game. <laughs> so, he didn't take money from either team. He took money from the referee to give a few dodgy offsides here and there. I don't mind the fact... I think we have to rehabilitate referees like that. And I think the Europa B- League is B- the perfect place for it. Really? Like, <laughs> we... we like I'm all for giving people second chances. Seventeen years later, they do not need to be refereeing European quarterfinals. L- As like, I just said, there's enough referees to go round in the whole of Europe. Firstly, there isn't. <laughs> <laughs> but also, as I said, we're trying to rehabilitate these guys. You want to put them in decent games. Keep them away from the Champions League. It, like, Thursday night, drop them in there. It was uh, like, I, like the rest of the game. It was a te- like a, a Joe Cole not was really biased, but it, like the, he was genuinely terrible. The referee and it, it sort of ruined it. Um, but basically, we were all shafted because we had to play with ten men. After that, for 45 minutes, and, and almost won, and all the rest of it. And we're playing again on Thursday, so, um, yeah, massive game. And Jerome Boateng gifted just a goal. I, I, so I didn't realise that that's who it was. Like, yeah, I, I thought it, it was they, absolutely hilarious that it was Jerome Boateng. Yeah, yeah proper Ben Godfrey type. It wasn't good. I can see why Bayern and Germany have ousted him. Um, <laughs> but, uh, look... Barcelona didn't even beat Frankfurt, so we might not even get Barcelona even if we win. <laughs> so, well, first of all, the only things I saw from the, I only caught the last eight minutes of stoppage time, but the things I took away <laughs> yeah. from the game were West Ham counterattacking and then one of their own fans running on the pitch. Oh, oh, that yeah, I almost vomited at the TV. Oh, that absolute Egypt. Because because I, I was saying the the guy I was watching with who's also a West Ham fan that um like how good this season has been is really papered over stuff like that and the way the clubs run because like you remember when we were going to beat 3-0 by Burnley a couple of years ago and the fans are all like putting flags on the pitch and that <laughs> like when we first moved in that stadium the security was horrific it was like 16 year old event sec type guys yeah and, and throwing coins at the director's box and stuff yeah so like you could like there's no way like that is so embarrassing for Karen Brady and co for that to happen at that level like 
my my other takeaway from the game was Tonga and Dombele. Yes, he looking was looking a player. Uh, well, well, of course, yeah, of course. Uh, listen, Leon, Leon and Paper are a great side. Um, they, yeah, like I don't know how they're like tenth or whatever. Yeah, not right back as well. Don't know his name for them. He looked pretty decent. I think they were saying that he had his he was playing in Ukraine until the twenty fourth of February. So fair play to him. Yeah. Oh, if UEFA and FIFA allowed him. I, th- I think move. that's been happening, yeah, but not <laughs> Victor Moses. Yeah, yeah so, so based on sporting integrity, that well, shouldn't have been allowed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, before we go on the, in the mud, Chris, for the second year in a row, uh, we've got to say goodbye to one of the great characters <laughs> of the game, as Neil Warnock has yet again retired. Now, what, now, now, what does that mean? And, and how did he retire? So he obviously retired last year, I think, then got a job at Borough trying to keep them up. Did keep them up, so stayed on. And then recently re-got the sack. Which, now since they're a point off the playoffs, is probably a good decision. Probably was the right decision, yeah. (laughs) But he said after that, he was like, oh yeah, I don't think I'll manage another club. So we were like, okay, Needles retired, blah, blah, blah. He was then on Soccer Saturday. (laughs) I told was. Jeff, he's like, Jeff, I'd just like to let you know that I've officially retired from the game. <laughs> the guy, I think, the guy probably has what I call more retirements than medals at this stage. <laughs> it's every other week the guy's letting us know he's done with the game. Like that, that honestly is not news to me. Like, was was he not retired before Cardiff? Yeah, and and then got Cardiff promoted. Like, yeah, and then after Cardiff, he was like, oh, I'm done, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then went to like what two or three other clubs after Cardiff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his immediate plans, he was saying, are to, he's going to do a bunch of an evening with type stuff, you know, like the what I was at the other week with Gary Neville and stuff. To, to be fair, I would absolutely go to that. He was saying, though, like, he was like, he was saying that the first tour booked in like Sheffield and somewhere else, I can't remember, and he was like, pretty friendly cities, but he was like, I'd love to get one booked in Bristol. They hit me <laughs> down there. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was also discussing the, the first people to like message him to say best of luck and like who he'd gone up against he was saying about his like favourite people he's gone up against over the years and he was saying he, he loved playing Wenger right even though like the two of them went that on the touchdown he was like would always enjoy a glass of wine after the game which I quite liked no I, I, I loved when it was like City Cardiff and it was like you know, Pep and Neil Warnock he, he was whenever he spoke about Klopp and Guardiola he wasn't he didn't speak wasn't, about them in the same enamored. terms. Yeah. Too, right, okay. If you hear him speak about Mourinho and Wenger, well, well, he, loved, the, the, he loved them too. It wasn't about say, Guardiola and Klopp. The, the way that Mourinho won the league at, at Chelsea was slightly different to the way that City and Liverpool won the league, yeah. Mm. <laughs> <coughs> but yeah, he was, apparently Jose was one of the first to text him. He also let us know that no referees should text him. Well, well yeah. Which <laughs> is completely typical. But yeah, if anyone needs a, a bit of a Warnock fix, go and watch that Neil Warnock documentary on YouTube. Oh, that, that, that thing is... I, I, it's the fact that it's from like 2004 or something. Like yeah. that, that's the best part about it. Just classic Warnock banter and like... That, that famous game, it was... Um, the Sheffield Muscat. The, yes, the... Well, well, well there's... <laughs> the Muscat There's Muscat, but there, then there was the, the Sheffield United West Brom, I think. That famous game where there was like seven red cards... <laughs> and two of the guys for Sheffield United never played for them again. <laughs> of course, Neil was the manager. Yeah, the, the halftime team talk where one of the players is ill and Neil tells him to go run a bath. Because, <laughs> in his words, he says, if I keep looking at you, I'm going to be sick. There's then the famous quote, I can't remember who they're playing, but they're obviously down in London and a decision goes against them and he looks at the ref going, oh, we're in London, aren't we? And so. <laughs> Ned, what do you want? You berate these guys every week. Of course, you're not giving you a decision. I also love how he's like he's, he just like blatantly said one time that he's properly for Brexit as well. <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> oh yeah, there, he was a Cardiff at the time, wasn't he? Of, of course he was. Yeah. He he was also saying well, this. Of, we'll finish up where Neil Warnock chucks there'll be people on this hating this. Uh, but he was saying about how one of the highlights of his career is what he did with Adele Tarapt. <laughs> He was saying, hi, who, who, he... by the way, was playing in the Champions League against Liverpool last week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, apparently, apparently he's out. Something's happened. Oh, is he? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, apparently something's happened. But he was saying about how whenever he took over QPR and Tarap was there, he was like, he was getting told by everyone. He's like, that, that guy will get you the sack. <laughs> and then how he, just, he went on about Tarap. He's like, he's the only player I've ever built the side around. 
<laughs> he was mentioning how he was telling defenders that he never wanted to see them pass the ball to Tarapt in their own half. And that at times he would ban Tarapt from coming into QPR's own half. Yeah, that... you know, he, had, he had to stay up top and just walk about. He was like, he's the only luxury player he's ever allowed that with. Yeah, because you sort of get a bit of that from the, the great underrated football documentary of all time, which was about QPR. I don't know if you've heard about this documentary, Billy. Like, <laughs> like, like, it is honestly so good uh, when they were, like, absolutely, like, in the mud financially and everything, and then Warner comes in and just tears the house down and gets to the Premier League. It is on. It is great footage. I must get on that. Yeah. Cause Neil, yeah, as I say, Neil's one of the great characters of the game. Absolutely. So he is, but... I mean, he'll be back. I, I don't know why we're, we're like we're going on. This will happen. This will be a recurring segment. It, it, basically, he, he'll he'll look at plans to do the house up in Cornwall for like a couple of days, mm. and then he'll be like, oh, there's, "There's no there's no thrill in this," you know, <laughs> and then clear off again. Yeah, he'll have one dinner conversation with the family <laughs> and go, "You know what? I'd rather be outside in the rain berating a referee." Even like the contrast between Middlesbrough and Rotherham, where Larry being everywhere. But yeah, we'll talk about in the mud this week on a similar line to nail and braiding referees is discipline. Yes, because we're now on the race to ten bookings in the Premier League this season. Which is is, is that a suspension? If you get yeah. Because it's five, and then I think it gets cleared a certain amount, and then yeah, up to ten. So yeah. there's six players on their ninth booking. We have Tyron Mings, Scott McTominay, Josh Brownhill, Ruben Neves, Junior Firpo, and Ease Basuma, all on nine. Mm. So I just wanted to get your take, Chris. Who do you reckon? Um, Mick Sauce is a big contender because he loses the head a bit sometimes. <laughs> Junior Firpo, that must be more because he's quite bad at defending than yeah, anything else. Yeah, that, I, I that plus say. the man, the man, like, like defending of Bielsa. Like, like Josh Brownhill, that's an instruction. Um, <laughs> Get yourself booked there. So yeah, yeah. Like that absolutely. Um, I, I think, yeah, I, I would say Firpo's maybe the most at risk there, yeah. Firpo's your pick. I was just quite interested to see Basuma that well, high already, you know, after the amount of games he missed to be on nine. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of games, yeah, um, through Afcon and that uh, other things, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that's a good show. Actually, I didn't think about that. Yeah. I was stunned by that. Ruben Neves was another kind of surprise. Ach, well, yeah, it's just kind of that position, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, he just does have to take a man down every now and then. And yeah, yeah. I think Tyro Mings is another one. Tyro Mings just like is the only centre back there. Interestingly, everyone else sort of midfielder, left back. Like Tyro Mings is good, but like he has a mistake in him, which I think yep. sometimes leads to it. Is the issue, yeah. Potential reason why he's getting the captaincy taken off him. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, sort of speaking of discipline, Bailey, I, I, I don't normally have an in-the-mud contribution, but I actually do this week. Fired in. Which is breaking news as we are recording. So, right. um, as we know from previous podcasts, Bailey, that the Europa Conference League has been electric this year. Yeah. Um, with lots of, you know, big, big names and big stories and big matches all around featuring Spurs and Jose Mourinho and all the rest of it and this didn't this was the return of the great rivalry between Bodo Glimt Bodo forward slash Glimt and Roma yep because they after they beat them 6-1 in the group stage they were back for the quarter final I did say it was snowing at the game I saw someone throw a yes. snowball at Tommy Abraham there was there was snowballs and there was also uh, metaphorical snowballs being thrown in the dressing room after the game because the Bodo slash Glimt head coach uh, Ketil Nutsen and the Roma goalkeeping coach Nuno Santos have been banned from UEFA competition <laughs> for having a full-blown scrap in the dressing room afterwards and uh, of which the Nuno Santos was reported to the Norwegian police afterwards <laughs> Um, so, uh, so the Lorenzo Pellegrini, the Roma captain, claimed that uh, Nutsen uh, went into the dressing room um, of Roma and started attacking Nuno Santos, um, and he said it was shameful. But then Buru slash Glimt came out and said it was actually Santos who caused the provocation and he committed quote physical violence against Knutsen, uh, and he positioned himself illegally outside the coaching staff. He continuously, verbally, and gesturingly harassed Knutson. Great translation there. Um, so then uh, Knutson said in response that everything culminated in a physical attack on me in the player tunnel. 
Usually I'm so by nature that I would withdraw. Uh, I don't really know what that means. In this case, I was physically attacked. He grabbed me by the neck and pushed me into the wall. It's only natural that I that then had to defend myself. So I've heard nothing from Mourinho, of course, in all of this. Um, but that's... Uh, so let's see what happens on Thursday night. That is so bizarre. <laughs> so uh, I didn't think the Europa Conference League would like bring this level of emotion out in people. It's like I honestly think like this like this competition has got in Mourinho's head more than anything else at this time at Roma. Like, like there's just been so many incidents like this. I think we all know we can't allow Jose to win this competition. It, well, it's going to it, run about with it as though it's well, it's going to be a Leicester League. Roma final, like. Like it, it just will be Leicester Roma. Well, we don't know. These well, Roma boys could go into this game on Thursday night, getting a bit over emotional, going, "Our coach was smacked last week." Listen, there's there's gonna be there's gonna be some serious tackles. Um. <laughs> I did, that's actually overall that's like went in this episode perfectly because we talk about Neil Warnock and things that have happened over oh, yeah. years. The Muscat incident in the tunnel. We're now talking yeah, yeah. about Roma. Well, the indeed, from the yeah. changing room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I would love to see it if there's any footage going around Twitter of any of that, but I suspect probably not. Yeah, I I just love anything to do with football whenever it's like gets so deep where it's like the police have been involved. <laughs> and it doesn't involve Joey Barton for once. <laughs> Actually, mentioning that, I'll jump back quickly to the United Everton thing. Oh, there so was a statement put out by like Mercy Police where they're like. <laughs> We're currently looking into an incident between <laughs> between an adult male, late thirties, and a young child. And it's like, well, we all know, <laughs> like, it's, like he's already been judged by all of Twitter. We all know what's going on. Well, they're actually yeah. investigating for like a crime. Yeah, they might oh, be. Right? I don't know. They've, they've clearly gone well. Given the child tickets the United game isn't <laughs> enough punishment. Uh, well, <laughs> but yeah, uh, this week discipline in the mud. Yeah, uh, Chris. Before we leave, do you have any final thoughts about your about your week ahead? Uh, d- d- no, uh, I just want Barca and West Ham to go through. Um, buzzing to see if Atletico can um, stop City. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see if they actually have a shot in the entire game. Yeah. Uh, my only takeaway from this week is Chelsea play Palace in the FA Cup next week. Um, oh, wow. I hope we slap them because there's been a bit of gurning from Palace. Well, Fair well, uh, uh, came out saying he's disappointed that Conor Gallagher can't play. It's I, like, well, you know what you signed up for, fella? To, to be fair, I, I, I didn't really get that either. Yeah, that, that winds me up every year. Someone comes off and it's like, it's all new. <laughs> you know, it's it's written down. You're you know, your little factory. Yeah, it's like you, you all know. Atletico did this years ago. I'm not about it. I hope we thank them now. Yeah. So that'll wrap us up nicely for this week, Chris. And we've plenty more football next week. So we'll see everyone then. Thanks for listening.